Welcome to episode number 38 of the Fiduciary You podcast. My guest today is Ben Pitts from Tiffin Wealth, who I was introduced to recently by Aaron Schum from Vestwell. Ben has a background as an advisor and is a partner at Tiffin, which is a venture-backed fintech company that's raised nearly $200 million and offers advisors a portfolio of solutions, including a natural language investment research platform called Magnify, a digital marketing platform called Clout, a risk assessment platform, and a lightweight financial planning platform called Tiffin Plan. Tiffin has gained a lot of traction in the private wealth space, and although it's not as well known in the retirement market, is really starting to make inroads with plan advisors. On this episode, we focus a lot of our conversation on the need for fintech that allows advisors to enhance the participant experience, how advisors can deliver personalized financial wellness and advice to participants both profitably and efficiently, how to bring financial planning to Main Street, and how Tiffin Plan empowers these planning-focused conversations with participants rather than just investment-focused discussions. So with that introduction, I hope you enjoy the show with Ben Pitts from Tiffin Wealth. Ben Pitts, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I'm excited to, uh, to have a, a really good chat. Yeah, likewise, Josh. Um, I appreciate you having me on. I've been listening uh, and I actually went back and looked. I was curious. I've listened to eight of your 36 podcasts so far. And it's it's like a classroom for me. So um, you've touched on compliance and growing a, a plant advisor firm and, um, you know, the M&A in the space and some tech in the space and participant engagement. So it's been a it's been a good classroom for me. Uh, you know, trying to help innovate in the space and, and hear what the perspectives are. So appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Absolutely. And, and, and you and I connected really just kind of a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think you had reached out to me on LinkedIn and, and um, I think maybe that's, or maybe we got yeah, connected. Yeah, I yeah. Remember, remember how we, <laughs> yeah. we connected, but um, we did a quick how was it? How, how I think Aaron, Aaron Schum may have told us to connect. So I reached out to you and, uh, but yeah, it was the old cold call with Aaron told me to call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, I have lots of time nowadays. So, uh, you know, I, I, t- I tend to, uh, when I think something's interesting, I tend to, you know, uh, happy to kind of hop on and learn about it. And that's actually what we did. We, we, um, we connected on zoom and, um, you demoed the, you know, the, the technology platform that you, you built. And, and, you know, I was impressed. And, and as we talked more and more, I was like, man, I'd love for you to kind of come on the podcast. So that's kind of how we, we, we've gotten aware, um, to where we are. Um, now you're, you're, uh, a partner, you're part of Tiffin, um, which, uh, I'll let you to kind of describe what, 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 uh, what Tiffin is, mm-hmm. um, but you've got a really cool, what I would consider to be um, one of the businesses, because it's obviously, I think, you know, it's kind of a, you know, an incubator for different kind of tools uh, <laughs> within the, the financial services and the wealth and the investment world um, and the retirement world. But uh, a really cool, what I would consider kind of um, lightweight, um, but powerful planning platform and uh when you showed it to me you know i was i was definitely kind of impressed by it and and it sounds like you guys are starting to um started kind of on the wealth side but are making you know some pretty good inroads um with retirement plan advisors so we're gonna we're gonna chat about that but why don't you for the audience um you know i think retirement advisors probably are not as aware of of tiffin as maybe uh as maybe kind of the wealth side is 
why don't you tell a little bit about Tiffin and a little bit about your uh, background? Because I think um, you know you you have a, a unique kind of origin story uh, yeah. in all of this as well. Yeah, sure. I'll start with Tiffin and then I'll I'll rewind back to how I ended up here. Um, Tiffin is a, a fintech company. Uh, we're about 250 people headquartered in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and, uh, you know, most of, you know, probably half of those people are, are engineers. Um, uh, and our uh, founder, Vinay, uh, Vinay Nair, started the company uh, after starting a company called 55IP. Uh, 55IP was one of the early companies in the, um, uh, in um, uh, really enabling this uh you know, fractional shares, uh, you know, uh, building, you know, building portfolios for people that, that mimic an index and do it efficiently. So he ended up selling that company to uh, 55IP to JP Morgan about a little less than two years ago. But before he sold that company, um, he was, I think, playing a chairman role and had, had uh, started Tiffin. And his idea was he wanted to impact the world and he wanted to build fintech companies um, and essentially, you know, fund uh, founders that wanted to have impact on the world. And so we started another uh, a company called Magnify, which is natural language search, doing investment research, kind of Googling, um, you know, think Morningstar, um, you know, Morningstar office doing research, but doing it with a natural language. Really cool. There's some patents on that platform. So that was one of the first. Clout is a digital marketing platform for advisors, social media and email, which I believe was the second company. And then, you know, there were uh, several other companies that, that popped up from that. And this is going back only about three years. Uh, so. Tiffin stands for technology and intelligence and finance. And what we're doing, we're on a mission to build engaging wealth experiences that improve, you know, financial well-being for um, for people. Uh, started in America, we actually are just starting a, an international business as well. Um, but uh, you know, the way that I ended up getting here, so we've got. And by the way, today Tiffin is not really an incubator. Uh, we're building this as one team, one culture. Our products are integrating together, uh, creating more value for um, you know the advisors uh, and the consumers that we touch. Uh, as you well, guys have raised a ton of money, I think. Right? Um, did, I think you've raised north of maybe a hundred million bucks, something like that. Yeah, I think it's close to two hundred million now. That's all happened in the last you know two two years or so. Um, didn't mean to short change. Didn't mean to short change. Two hundred million, a lot more than hundred. Any of it, personally, Josh? I was a. Uh, uh, it was all Vinay and Jack, our, our CEO and president. Um, but yeah, raised uh, you know quite a quite a bit of money to fund a big vision. So our investors today are Morningstar, J.P. Morgan, um, uh, Broadridge, and then most recently in our last round that we closed about a month month and a half ago, uh, Franklin Templeton came in as a strategic investor as well. Um, so those are our, our our core strategic investors, and we actually have another. Um, Another more uh, VC that focuses on fintech, and frankly, the name's slipping my mind uh, right now. But uh, but yeah, so we've raised quite a bit of money. But it's all about you know, really is about impact. If you were to sit down and and chat with our CEO Vinay, he really has a vision of impact, and that's what attracted me to to uh, to Tiffin. So I've been here. I joined in March of twenty or April first, twenty twenty one. Picked up my family of five in New Jersey and moved across the country to join Tiffin. Uh, and I did that because I sold a technology platform that I was building for the last, uh, for at that point, I could think about seven years uh, to Tiffin to start over with uh, what at the time was called Plan IQ is now called Tiffin Plan. It's a lightweight financial planning tool. Think eMoney, but or Money Guide Pro, but much more streamlined, uh, much faster. Uh, the ability to build plans for people in minutes, not hours. Right, just trying to get somebody put in the right direction. Um, and, um, and, and ultimately, so going all the way back, that's, that's sort of the end of that story before I joined Tiffin. 
Um, I actually started in the wealth management industry back in 2008 as an intern. Um, I was at the University of Virginia getting an MBA. Goldman Sachs was recruiting there. And I thought, man, wealth management seems entrepreneurial. You're working with entrepreneurs. And you know, I want to go out and build my own business. Did that for about three years. And while I was there, I met another guy who was an analyst on the team. Brilliant, kind of a quant. We both grew up in southern New Jersey. Uh, shared values. And uh, I decided to leave Goldman and, and join him in an RIA that we kind of then co-founded over again together. So it was just the two of us building really with massive fluent customers, you know, people that were regular Americans. A lot of them were Lockheed Martin uh, engineers. He was a Lockheed Martin engineer prior, uh, my partner, Jeff. And uh, so long story short, we're building this firm and uh, he had built some financial planning software. It was Really sophisticated Excel-based, but there was some VBA uh, code that he had written, several Excel files that worked together to build a PowerPoint presentation. And I had this epiphany one day that, man, if we can take that software and put it online, simplify it, uh, we can, I can create a big impact. And initially, that was, I wanted, my vision was to build that firm. Over time, how that happens, we spun that out and started a different company called My Financial Answers. And the initial vision was actually to offer financial planning to employers in the workplace. So we spent some time in the Silicon Valley, um, you know, talking to some of the forward thinking companies like Facebook and Tesla, doing some, you know, kind of piloting at, uh, uh, at the time. And uh, I'll never forget it. There's a, the guy that runs financial wellness at Facebook. Um, he still does today. His name is Josh Newmister. Um, Josh, you know, talking to him about what we're doing, he said, Ben, our employees need this. They need, you know, financial planning. They need a more comprehensive view. It can't just be about their retirement. It's got to be about, you know, can they afford to buy a home? And they're having kids. What does that mean for their life? But Josh said to me, he said, Ben, he's like, the reality is companies like Facebook, um, you know, we don't want another vendor and we don't want to pay for this. So he's like, go talk to, um, you know, Fidelity, who has our 401k, or go talk to Schwab, who has our stock plan. And I knew at the time, like, I can't go talk to those guys. But long story short, he put me on this path of talking to plan advisors. I was like, oh, my, my RIA, we've got three. 401k plan. Surely there's got to be advisors out there that have 25 or 50 or whatever. And so I discovered this whole world of plan advisors. This is probably around 2015 or so. And so I just dug in and, you know, um, and long story short, I'll fast forward. We started to get some traction with plan advisors. Um, actually, frankly, in the 403b space, because they had this incentive to actually meet with individual participants in order to build their business. And, um, you know, we were, the business was kind of plugging along, but we were undercapitalized. At that point, I'd raised, you know, close to a million dollars and I didn't want to raise any more money. We didn't have the traction to justify, you know, going back to my investors and saying, let's raise more money. And uh, so I was really just keeping the lights on and frankly had this vision that there was somebody bigger. Uh, at the time, I thought it would be a strategic, right? Some financial services company that could take what we had built and, you know, and go from there. Um, but long story short, after a few years of, kind of frankly, keeping the lights on. I had taken a job at another startup called Pickwell and I was heading sales and marketing. It was a employee benefit or health insurance decision support company. We were selling into a lot of the guys that are aggregating retirement plans now, you know, hub and one digital, all those firms. Um, but long story short, I was introduced to, um, uh, Vinay at, uh, at Tiffin and, uh, by a good friend of mine here in, in the Denver area. And they were thinking about doing something in planning they said, hey, Ben, we like your vision. We'd like to start something. Why don't we just acquire what you've built and you can come on here? So that was the the origin of what is now Tiffin Plan, uh, which now sits under uh, a series of platforms called Tiffin Grow. It's a planning tool, a risk assessment tool, uh, formerly Totem, which Tiffin bought. It was based in Atlanta. 
uh, cool platform and then a personality assessment as well that sit under one single platform. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's how I got here. Learned a lot along the way, you know, what it meant to be a technology entrepreneur. Um, it is not, it is not easy. Um, but, uh, but I love being here. At oh, you don't say. <laughs> yeah, Josh, you're, you're right in the middle of it. So you, uh, you totally get it. So, but, uh, but yeah, that's how and, you got here. And, and so did that require like a kind of a rebuild of the platform that you had? Um, yeah. So when, uh, when Tiffin acquired what we built, it was essentially acquiring, you know, all of the experience that I had trying to go out and build this and knowing the market, both on the wealth management side. And, and uh, we weren't actually thinking about retirement plan advisors at the time, but I still was in the back of my head, but Vinay didn't really have much of an interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we took the, the intellectual property, right? All the logic. I mean, financial planning is mainly just a lot of logic. We said, how do we, what we had built was still a comprehensive tool. It still took some time, you know, probably a half hour at least to build this plan. And, you know, Vinay's view is like, we can't take a half hour to do anything. we got to build things that, that, that are immediate, that are fast, that are, that are more modern. And so we, we started over literally from scratch. We, we did use that logic and everything that we had as a, as a basis for building, but we, we, you know, started with zero and wrote the first line of code. So today the team that we have is about, um, about 40 people. Uh, 30 of those are on, on the product and engineering side. Uh, that are focused on um, plan and then these other two capabilities that all sit in one. Um, but it's all been, you know, all that was uh, even uh, our risk tool, which was uh, Totem was acquired. It was a probably four or five years in at that point. Uh, a lot of that platform has been totally rebuilt as well. So when Tiffin's most, most of our platforms were started organically from scratch, but there are a few that were, were purchased and we kind of tear it down and build it back up. That's kind of the approach. So. And, and so with, with Tiffin Plan, if I and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, it and part of this could have been kind of an A's maybe lack of interest at least initially with retirement plans, retirement plan advisors. Where you started to get initial traction, it sounds like was on on the wealth side, and and that you guys weren't trying to be you know and. Um, uh, like a money guide or an e-money per se in terms of, I mean, those are, or, you know, obviously there's a lot of planning tools that are out there, but those are kind of the two of the gorillas right in the wealth side. So most, I won't say most, but I would say many of the really um, top tier wealth firms that, that, that don't play in retirement, but really play in the wealth space are using a money guide or they're using an e-money to deliver this, you know, um, more comprehensive planning experience to higher net worth investors. But that doesn't actually map super well onto clients that have maybe less sophisticated needs. So maybe like the, and we, you know, back in, in my advisory firm days, you know, there were times when, you know, we would have a high net worth client and one of the things they would do is they'd say, well, can you work with, you know, one of our, you know, with our kids or something like that. And, you know, they're younger and just kind of starting out and we would kind of household them together. But, you know, the needs, their needs, quite frankly, weren't the same needs that their parents would have. And how do you kind of address that? Um, or every now and then, you know, we would get maybe some clients come along that that didn't kind of fit our traditional kind of ideal client, but there was a strategic relation or, or reason why we would, you know, we would we would want to take them on. 
Yep. Uh, and it sounds like, if memory serves me correctly, that that's in some ways, instead of like one trying to retrofit Money Guide Pro or eMoney onto these, let's say, clients with less sophisticated needs, instead of doing that, it sounded like tip and plan where you started kind of slotted in really well. Like, hey, have another tool in the toolbox and use this lighter weight planning platform for those subset of let's say clients or relationships that don't need the really high end planning. Is that a fair? Yeah, it's a greatest, greatest. Our thesis was that there were advisors that already knew how to do planning. They were using those tools and we had no desire to displace those tools, but that they had use cases where they just demanded efficiency and required simplicity. Right. So the use cases that we see the advisors on the wealth side are using uh, Tiffin plan are, you know, next gen clients, you just said it, the kids, grandkids of wealthy clients. It's, you know, younger clients for advisors are building out businesses with, you know, with Gen X, Gen Y, uh, Gen, uh, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, I guess at this point. Um, and then what's interesting is the way we got with plant advisors was our message was all about streamlined, simple. That was the message that we were putting out into the market. Um, and all of a sudden, client advisors started showing up and saying, hey, we need simplified planning so we can do this in our one-on-one sessions with, you know, I've got 20 minutes or a half hour of the client participant. And so I noticed that about 20% of the advisors that we would, and, and this was all me, right? In the, in the early days, I was the only salesperson, like, reaching out and talking to advisors. Um, and... Uh, about 20% of those advisors were client advisors, right? Now, they might have a wealth management practice. Actually, all of them had a wealth management practice. But there was someone on the plan side that needed that efficiency. And so I was already familiar with the space, right? I was already had already built my financial answers. I wouldn't say Vinay, say Vinay wasn't interested in plan advisors. It was just our focus was wealth. Um, maybe, maybe priority is a better way to say yeah, it. Yeah, it was just like we were focused. We knew who the wealth, he knew who the wealth managers were. We were building everything for them. And uh, but long story short, these plan advisors started showing up and, and I just started listening to, OK, what are the other needs that they have? Right. They work with, you know, 50 different employers. They need to be able to configure the platform for those employers so that we can do it faster. It was all about how do we make it more efficient? And so we started to listen to them and, and, and realized over time, um, you know, even some of our, um, you know, there's there's workplace initiatives that, you know, Morningstar has, uh, you know, advisor managed accounts and they've got a workplace business. And so I was just able to, to slowly. Um, kind of drip on, frankly, our leadership here that I thought there was an opportunity to work with plan advisors. And so we're squarely in the middle now of, of taking the same platform. And it's not just TIFF and plan, by the way. We've got other capabilities at Clout, for example, which is a digital marketing platform, but it's digital marketing and digital education are essentially the same thing. You're, you're trying to personalize education for people. We're bringing maybe, those... Maybe the audience, quite frankly, leveraging, as I kind of understand, this Clout, right, for traditional wealth firms, right? They're trying to find these kind of high net worth clients, but maybe, but the, and, and that may be the audience, but being able to leverage some of Cloud's capabilities, I mean, effectively, you know, if you've got thousands to tens of thousands of participants within your yeah. retirement plan book of business, that audience being able to leverage those kind of cloud digital marketing capabilities yeah. um, to this, you know, that is the one nice thing is you kind of have this embedded yeah. group of people that you've got access to. Yep. Um, is that fair? Like leveraging? Fair. Some of them are 25 year olds that are thinking about getting married and others are 35 and they're buying their first house and others are, you know, 63 and they're thinking about retirement. 
And what cloud is able to do is engage those individuals, see what their activity is. You know, what are the articles they're clicking on? Oh, this 20, this 35 year old is clicking on an article about buying a home. So let's personalize the engagement for that individual. Let's hyper-personalize it. And oh, by the way, when it comes to Tiffin plan and, and the, the interactions that those people can take with our platform, like let's tell them to how much home can you afford is one of our modules, right? Like we don't have to talk to them, to them about necessarily retirement as the first thing we talk to them about. Let's talk about what's relevant for them. And so, um, yeah, long story short, that's how, that's how it all came together. And, and so we've got, you know, we've still got work to do on the plan advisor side. And frankly, uh, everything we do, we're collaborating with, with our customers to continue to build and refine. And so we're in the middle of that process now. Um, but it's been, uh, it's been refreshing to see the reception from plan advisors. And, you know, frankly, there's lots of trends that I've heard you talk about that are happening on the retirement plan advisor side that are, that, that are kind of driving this, right? We're not driving, hey, we have this big idea. Like there's a reason that plan advisors are trying to change that participant experience and create more personalized experiences. And hopefully we're just, you know, kind of going to ride that wave and provide some innovative solutions that allow them to do that better in a more personalized way. Yeah. And I was impressed by, you know, um, just with the platform in that um, it, it, it was more looked like a modular approach, right? So you can, you obviously can kind of pull things together in more of kind of a lightweight, but comprehensive way, but that's, that, that doesn't have to be, you know, the ticket to the dance. You can start something with something more modular. Hey, I'm buying a home. Hey, you know, I'm getting married. I'm having kids. You know, do I have enough insurance? Like you can do the kind of these, you can do modular. And I think that's really when you think about, um, you know, the trend towards, you know, wellness and engagement with retirement plan advisors is you can't deliver economically. Um, and I, I'm probably in the, I might be in the minority in this, but, but when I talk to people kind of like, you know, offline, people tend to agree. I'm like, you know, it's really hard to make money yeah. in wellness. It's, it's the economics of it. Um, you have to be, you have to be efficient and quite frankly, you need to be more on demand because you, you, the vast majority of participants neither need, nor do you have the, the kind of, uh, the powder to be able to support a comprehensive approach, like bringing that bespoke high net worth kind of experience down market. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work. And, and, but the planning piece, you know, I think is really important. And, and obviously there's an arms race right now. You've got all the big record keepers that are rolling out. And I've talked about it a bunch on the, you know, on the podcast, but um, you know, you've got this kind of frenemy situation going on, right. Where, um, you know, Vanguard and Fidelity and, you know, empower with buying personal capital, like everybody wants to own the participant experience and people are trying to be able to drive this kind of convergence discussion and whatnot, but it's really hard to deliver um, services to participants, at least in my opinion, in a really, um, uh, in a super profitable, in a super profitable way. In fact, most advisors that are dealing with the participant stuff, they've got wealth teams, I hate to say it, but what they're trying to do is they want to spend as little time as possible 
probably working with the rank and file that wouldn't be good private clients. And they want to kind of use it as a way to kind of uncover and mine, you know, maybe the, you know, two to five people in any hundred person company that actually have the means to be good wealth clients. And so efficiency and uh, from a tech standpoint is, is, is really, really important. I think the other thing that I would say is just people need planning help. And I actually think advisors are, are in a much better position to live, deliver fiduciary based on demand advice to participants than, um, you know, than, than some of the large record keepers, not to, to, to knock what they're doing, but I did a study, um, before I left Greenspring in 2019 called Seeking Clarity. And I surveyed almost 2,000, I had almost 2,000 participants fill out a 75 question survey. Um, and we had like almost, we had an 89% completion rate, which is off the charts. Um, but it talked about 10 categories of kind of, you know, financial life from a comprehensive standpoint. And what was very interesting was, we all know the stats of people being very stressed about their finances. But only 24% of people um, had a written financial plan. And my theory was not having a, you know, a, a, a written plan was what was driving a lot of this stress because people felt out of control. And one of the questions I asked was, who is the best person to provide advice? And 40% of people said that an independent fiduciary advisor was the best source of objective advice, only 12% said they thought the, rec the record keeper um, was. And so I, I, that's kind of a long-winded way I bring that back, is that advisors are in the cat third seat to be able to do this, but economically, they have to be able to do it efficiently, like you said. They can't spend 30 minutes building out, a, or an hour, two hours building out a plan. And I think that's when I looked at Tiffin plan, it was like, wow, this is, a, this is something where you can reach out, you can market to folks, you can personalize it from that standpoint. And then on either a, a, a you know, a module driven approach or more, you know, uh, mo more fully featured, but still efficient, you can deliver, um, you know, a plan that quite frankly meets the needs of, of, of most of those folks, which have less sophisticated needs than, than high net worth. Yeah, I think it's, it's really critical. I mean, at the end of the day, all of this has to be focused on the participant and what their needs are, right? That's the only way any of it will work. Um, but, uh, you know, the plan advisor, in order to be able to do that, has to be able to offer, you know, take that 100% of a, of a participant population, let's say it's 1,000 employees, whatever, 100 employees, whatever the number is. You know, as you said, three to five of those probably could be, you know, consuming some wealth management-like service and can either afford to do that by paying out of their pocket or, you know, maybe an employer's paying for it, whatever. You know, my view is that there's got to be, um, you know, kind of modularized tools that a participant can engage in, but it's got to be engaging in what they care about, right? It's got to be engaging around, you know, buying a new home or do I need more life insurance? It can't be about retirement. And, you know, to the extent you can provide those tools, that provides value to everyone. And then if the plan advisor is the one that sort of owns this experience, and we can talk about this owning the data, you know, my view of who owns the data is, whoever engages the participant and earns the right to own their data and own that relationship. I know there's a whole nother level of that conversation. I would argue that participants own their data, exactly. not anybody. But, but to your point being, they're going to give it to whoever provides them a good service, right? <laughs> That's the reality. So, but own the relationship, I think maybe exactly. you know, describe it. Exactly. 
is whoever provides the best solution. Value. So, yeah, value. So, you know, my view is like there, there's this, there is that existing participant population that you could use an e-money or money guy pro or whatever the tool may be with and go into a deep, uh, a deep relationship with. There's the other, you know, call it 95% that you can't. And, you know, my view is that Tiffin, what Tiffin plan allows is for all of those 95% to get more value. And then essentially for, you know, I don't know if it's another 10% or 15% of the population that frankly, isn't that far off from that top 5% and one day will be that top 5% a way for an advisor to engage with that individual in a way where they can actually develop that relationship. Right. And to, as one of your other guests put it, start to cross solve for those individuals. So now the planning shout tool, out, shout out to Jason Chetnik for that. Yeah, dude, I listen to his podcast. Yeah. So the planning tool is, is a, is a planning tool, right? It's, it's that, it's that engagement and we build it to be real time, right? I'm sitting with a participant, whether it's on a zoom call, face to face, whatever it may be. I still believe that engagement component is critical, right? Like how do I actually drive people to things they care about? And that's where the cloud capability that we have comes in, where we're using artificial intelligence to identify who are these people? What are they interested in? Uh, you know, how do they fit into a broader category of individuals? And then how do we, how do we gear content to go to them? How do we hyper-personalize plan education rather than just doing the, you know, once a year, twice a year um, session around retirement, right? Like we can live their behavior, and their engagement, not, cool. not, not the advisor basically yeah. driving um, that, that experience, but more of how people are engaging kind of with the platform. You've got the intelligence and the, right. yeah. the now, there, can be, there can be inputs into that that are advisor driven. So, for example, if the advisor does a, you know, does a webinar, right, we can capture through an integration, uh, a two-way integration with Zoom. We can capture that this person attended this webinar around retirement, right? And so it's not just the content that sits on clout or what they did in Tiff and Plan. There are other sources of information that could come from the CRM platform, could come from Zoom, that also impact that. So we're trying to create this profile that allows us to engage, engage that person in a hyper-personalized way. And it's constantly learning from what I'm doing, constantly learning from other people that are like me. So it could suggest things that, oh, you might like this because you liked that, right? Just yeah. like, you know, Netflix would do. And that's what, that's what cloud's doing. So we're so, pulling so these personalizing, personalizing individual journeys, if you will. That's 100% right. Actually, in fact, I just finished a slide that I'll present later today to a large retirement plan aggregator. And it is showing that what that journey could look like, right? So journey could look like advisor does a webinar. Uh, you know, Jane Doe signs up for the webinar. Jane Doe attends the webinar. Jane Doe gets a follow-up email that says, hey, use Tiff and Plan to figure out, are you on track to retire, right? Jane Doe does that, doesn't schedule a meeting to talk to the advisor. Clout follows up with Jane Doe. She doesn't engage, right? Um, Clout decides, look, let's send this financial personality assessment to Jane Doe and see if that engages her, right? Like, what's your first financial personality? It's one of the platforms we have. And Jane's like, oh, well, this is interesting. She fills out the assessment. She realizes she's a values-based person and she's interested in ESG. And so she fills that out. She schedules a meeting to talk to the advisor about her personality, her financial personality. During that meeting, the advisor is able to engage Jane, not just about her financial personality, but say, hey, have you thought about are you on track to retire? She's now engaged in that discussion and advisor is able to help her you know, increase her 401k contribution, You know, maybe change her, um, you know, go into a, a different model or whatever it may be. And then, you know, maybe longer Further down that journey, Jane becomes a wealth management client, right? Now, that journey 
could look very, very different for any individual participant. That journey could start with how much home do you can you afford, right? Because Clout learns somebody clicked on an article that's about that, and we suggested, you know, how much home can you, that journey might take two weeks for someone. That journey might take two years for someone else. Uh, but that's what Clout's all about: personalizing that journey. And, and frankly, plan Tiffin plans all about. You know, we talk about personalized financial plan, right? The reality is financial planning has been, yeah, it's your personal financial plan, but it's the same process we go through with every single individual, right? It's personalized as long as you as long as you like it this way, right? So what we're doing with plan is allowing advisors to personalize the planning journey. Like let's literally talk about the issues that you care about. What are the acute pain points that you have today? And then we can talk about retirement later, right? Like it's just not something that's top of mind for you. So um, but uh Anyway, it's a lot of fun. One, one of my philosophies is that you systematize the process, you personalize the relationship. Yeah, 100%. Right? But if you look at planning, and, and you know, some advisors try to do this, but, but this idea, you know, planning, it, you know, 90% under the hood, it's the same kind of like rules-based kind of planning approach and methodology. Um, It's just that 10%, kind of the iceberg effect, right? 90% of the iceberg that's under the water that you don't see is systematic and kind of the same process. It's the 10% above the water that you see that is going to look different based on the unique kind of relationship with, uh, with the, uh, with the person. So, you know, as, as you guys, um, have have moved kind of into this this retirement plan advisor space and starting to see, you know, this kind of segment is potentially a good fit for Tiffin Plan and what you guys are trying to do and 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 the other tools. Um, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've run into in dealing with retirement plan advisors, and and how are those maybe different than what you've experienced, both having been a wealth primarily a wealth advisor and then where that would be kind of like where I would say kind of your starting point was. Yeah. By far the biggest challenge um, is the ecosystem, right? So on the wealth side, you've got TD Ameritrade and Schwab as custodians, which are, you know, in my mind, equivalent to a record keeper, right? Well, they've said, Hey, we're going to open up our platforms and we're going to integrate with these these fintech tools like an e-money or whatever it may be, which makes it easy for advisors to adopt different platforms. Um, on the retirement plan advisor side, obviously, you know, I'm working with, you know, at the very least I've heard three, three record keepers, oftentimes you hear 13, 15 different record keepers. Right. And so I think that that ecosystem is not set up today uh, to really innovate quickly. And, you know, you've talked about it before. There's not a whole lot of incentive for, the ecosystem to adjust. You know, my view is that, you know, ultimately no technology company has ever sort of changed the world, if you will, by asking for permission. Um, And so my view is like, we have to do what we're doing irregardless of who a record keeper is. Uh, Our view is that the retirement plan advisor is the best path to take the innovative technology in. And if it works, you know, record keepers will, um, you know, will integrate at some point. Now it might not be the, you know, the fidelities of the world and, and, and those sorts, because they've got their own sort of closed ecosystem, if you will. But my, my view is that there is an independent record keeper channel 
and you know those names uh, and those folks, um, you know, I think are trying to compete with those larger record keepers. So at the end of the day, competition is what will drive that. But I think that by far is the biggest challenge is, you know, people say, oh, how do we get the data in? By the way, I also think we overestimate how valuable that data is, right? Like, how hard is it for me to figure out what somebody's age is, um, you know, what their family looks like, you know, what their salary is. If I have an engaging experience, it's not difficult for me to get that same exact data. It's a little bit more difficult for me to see into their portfolio, right? Like what their plan up, what their fun lineup, what their fun lineup is, what the models might be. But again, we can work with advisors in a way to, to um, enable that data to come in even outside of a, you know, outside of a record keeper. So that's the, I think that's the biggest challenge. Uh, I think another challenge certainly is, um, you know, to your point, the, you know, how does this get paid for? Right. I, I agree with you. Financial wellness is, you know, for a long time before I came to Tiffin, we had categorized what we were doing as financial wellness. I still think what we're doing at Tiffin broadly is financial wellness. Um, but in the employer setting, you know, at the end of the day, there's very few examples of employers paying for this. Right. It exists, but it's you know a small percentage of employers. Um, and I think I said this, this to you when we were demoing. My view is that the plan advisor has to you know, be on board with taking this in. They have to see the benefits of it. But I do truly believe there is a wealth management component of these firms that has to actually fund this, right? And so in any RIA, this is just me being very honest, in any RIA where you've got high net worth clients, ultra high net worth clients, and then some massive fluent clients, and I've got an RIA that looks like this, you know, those ultra, those higher net worth clients inevitably, um, you know, subsidize the uh, the services for those, those lower net worth clients. And that's just how it works. And so I feel like from a, from a compensation perspective, it has to be a firm. Uh, perspective. To me, this is why this 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 sort of convergence of retirement and wealth is important. I mean, that's a trend that kind of has to play out, and I think it's already playing out in order for for us to have success. There has to be incentive for that retirement plan advisor, the human in that firm, to take this in, and there has to be some other revenue source that comes from this. I I do think over time that revenue could be sort of wealth management services that occur in plan. Right. Like, I think that's a way things could happen that, you know, as as innovation happens on the product side in plan. Right. Managed accounts, guaranteed income uh, options that wealth management could happen in plan. There's obviously lots of you know ERISA issues to navigate for all that to happen. But but ultimately, um, I think that's a challenge. It's got to get solved. And I, you and I have talked about it before. There are firms that are already doing this. Right. There are some large firms that are doing wealth management. They're also doing retirement. Those things are working together. And my view is there's going to be winners and losers, right? And the ones that are doing it are absolutely winning. The question is, how are, how's everyone else going to sort of bridge the gap between retirement and wealth? How do you have tools that make it efficient enough that you can do it? Um, how do you deploy this across, you know, plan sponsors? And so it's not without challenge, but, you know, my personal view is if it's not challenging, it's probably not worth <laughs> not worth doing it. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's been, it's been interesting to me just um, – I would say, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but but um, living in uh, living in the tech world, there's there's some interesting perspectives. So, it, going back to your thesis, and you're exactly right, is I think the reason you've seen a lot of the fintech investments chase the wealth management side of the business is for a couple of reasons, and you kind of highlighted them. One is, you know, especially on the independent RA 
side, I mean, there's there's a there's a handful of large custodians. You got Fidelity, you got Schwab, you had TD, but TD bought Schwab. You got Pershing. Like those are probably on the independent RIA channel. Like those are the three. Those are the three biggies, yep. and um, they've got platforms. We have a GreenSpring that enable. Um, and they open up, you know, they open up that data. That's why we were able to leave the wirehouses 20 years ago. And it's because you had these custodians that would say, hey, we're going to, you know, at the time we used Schwab Portfolio Center, to, you know, for our portfolio management, which um, is a whole different story of itself, but that you could, you could connect with the custodian, you could download the data, you could manage portfolios, you could do performance reporting, you could billing, you can do all of that. And so on that side of the business, these custodians are very open to um, uh, providing access to the data. And so you can get now these technology tools that utilize that uh, and leverage that. And I think what's happened is uh, on the retirement side, and you even look at a Schwab or a Fidelity, I mean, they have obviously large record keeping businesses, but those are totally different businesses than what what the wealth side is, right? And 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 so there is an incentive. There is, and, and a lot of it is is couched in terms of like cybersecurity. But I, the reality is, you know, these big custodians, like on the retirement side and even on the private wealth side, I mean, they 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 compete with their their channel. But the retirement side wants to lock down that data. They don't want to open that up, and that's been why I think a lot of fintech investment hasn't gone into the retirement space. And that's why, quite frankly, that's why I built Fiduciary RX is like, hey, let's have some modern tech on the retirement side. Because a lot of the tools that are out there, you know, they're they're um they're legacy and in some cases, you know, they're 10 to 15 years old that are a little bit antiquated. But what's been interesting with advisors, wealth advisors generally view technology as an investment. And I've seen retirement plan advisors their kind of natural proclivity is to view tech as an expense. Yeah. And the irony is, and, and, and it's always like, well, we're less profitable in the wealth side, but the irony is, well, if you had better tools and you applied that, retirement plan advisors are notorious. They still do so much on a manual basis. And that's partly why profitability is lower. And so, you know, what you're trying to do, what I'm trying to do with, with, with some other, you know, I think newer um, tech players are trying to do is, you know, how can we more efficiently um, uh, help advisors work smarter, work faster, and leverage technology? And, and, and my kind of value prop to a lot of advisors now that I talk to is like, hey, make instead of like your next hire being a person that you have to train, you have to pay, you have to get up to speed. Use technology as your next hire. Um, That may push out your hiring curve by 12 or 18 months. You can create capacity. If you have capacity, now you can redeploy that into, you know, growth and revenue generating, you know, opportunities. And that's why I was really intrigued by Tiffin plan is because again, I think, I think you did a good job user experience. Like it's, it's, it's efficient. Um, yeah. and, and just advisors in general and, and listeners don't take this the wrong way. Cause obviously I sat in the seat for a really long time, but like, 
we don't like things that require us to put forth a lot of effort. We want things that are going to be easy and that are going to be efficient. So, um, uh, and that's that's, your platform. I saw that. That's what I kind of felt like. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think the other thing is with, with respect to what we're doing with, you know, what we're now calling Tiffin at work, which is some elements of plan and clout and Arbor's tool. Um, I, I think it's, Necessary to view the tech as the investment, but I think even more broadly than that, I think what plan advisors have to buy into um, is the participant experience being an investment, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, that participant experience is the expectations for that are only growing. And so regardless of why that, I don't think it really matters why the reality is that participant experience is becoming such a focus um, and so from my perspective, if, if the investment is the participant experience, technology is an absolute necessary enabler to make that a better experience. And my view is you can't really rely. I mean, look, there's some record keepers have great experiences. Some experiences aren't all great digitally, but you can't rely totally on a record keeper experience, right? Like yeah. my financial life goes so far beyond this one 401k account I have. I might have some IRAs here, Roth IRA over there, an HSA here. I've got some life insurance, right? My, my financial life is so far beyond what I'm doing with my current employer and the record keeper there. Um, so now some of the larger uh, record keepers are, are touching some of those other areas, but in general, most are not. So I think the investment is the participant experience and, and uh, you have to invest in technology in order for that to, uh, you know, for your, for your firm to stand out. So, so we're trying to do our part over here to, to, uh, to enable that. And uh, it's been a Where, um, and so, I don't know what those that might calendar blowing up. That might have been your calendar blowing up there, Ben. See if I can edit that out post production. <laughs> um, you know where with where you guys are, but where where do you see kind of the um, uh, the future of fintech going? Yeah, there's lots of different areas of fintech. I'll speak to what kind of the, the segment of fintech we look at, you know, there's payments. You know, we're obviously in what, what we would consider sort of this. Um, this wealth tech, maybe. Financial wealth tech. wealth tech, if you will. Yeah. Uh, actually, I was at, a, at the wealthmanagement.com um, or Wealth Management Edge conference down in Florida last week, and our uh, our CEO, Vinay, was on stage. Um, and he was up there with uh, the CEO of Orion, um, which is obviously wealth tech, and then there was a pretty senior guy from LPL, and their whole conversation was around personalization. And, um, you know, ultimately our view, and this is why we're doing what we're doing at Tiffin, is that, you know, as, 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 as people get more personalized experiences in every other area of their life, they just expect that they get personalized services uh, in, you know, wealth management or financial services. So, you know, personalization requires that you actually know who people are, what their preferences are. Um, you know, this is, you know, why you see trends and you talk about like, you know, there's like the ESG trend, right? And that exists in some places that doesn't exist in others, but that is one example of, of, uh, of, of, of personalization. Um, but personalization requires that you frankly just understand somebody, um, you know, on a more, on a deeper level. And so our view is that you know, there's just got to be more inputs into what, what you know about someone in order to personalize for them. So that's why we've created, you know, Tiffin personality, which is this personality assessment to understand kind of who is somebody deeply, like what motivates them? What are their 
Um, you know, what do they value? Um, what, what do they think about what's going to work in the future, right? Do they care about, like, they think blockchain is going to work or do they think, you know, um, you know, social media is the future? Um, so in that case, personalizing a portfolio comes down to actually understanding what somebody views outside of, you know, just what my, my retirement plan is or just what my risk tolerance is. So I think broadly it's personalization. Obviously, you know, technology needs to enable that. Um, and uh, in order to do that, you know, that's, it requires things like modern technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning, big buzzwords. But I mean, at least here at Tiffin, and I don't, I'm not a part of this, right? I'm on the commercial side of the house, but we've got some people that understand that deeply. And the industry has to invest in more modern tech, like rules, rules-based engines aren't enough. Um, you know, Tiffin Plan, a part of what we're doing at Tiffin Plan is using conversational artificial intelligence as the primary mode of engagement. So I'm I'm actually typing data in as a conversation um, and it's sort of, it, it, that kind of comes back to personalization. How do we interact with people in a way where as modern consumers, they kind of want to interact. And our view is that they don't want to fill out forms. <laughs> so, so it's a, a really cool thing when I saw the platform was, um, I didn't get too deep under the hood with it, but um, there was like this chat feature. And as people are kind of, um, this unstructured, right? Just, just, um, uh, you know, it, structured data that can go into a form or can go into a Excel, you know, uh, into a cell in Excel or something like that, right? That's structured, but language is unstructured yeah. by, you know, I think by definition. And I thought that was actually pretty interesting. What you were saying is like, as you could be chatting with a participant, yeah. uh, well, it's a more personalized experience, too, because the system can now talk back. Yeah. And the system can educate you as you're putting data in to keep you engaged, just like an advisor would. Right. right. So, Which I thought was, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, what, what, um, and again, this might be not a super popular take, but <laughs> I, tend, I tend to have, I tend to have those. But on the retirement side, like still people even thinking about like, managed accounts, right? It's an investment driven, that's an investment driven solution. Mm -hmm. You know, on the RA side with a lot of the wealth firms, like 15 years ago, wealth management was really like probably defined as 90% investment and 10% planning. Yep. And I would say that um, there's a lot of margin. If you're just managing portfolios for individuals on the wealth side, like you've got you've got some margin compression, you've got fee compression. Just the, the the value of just the investment piece alone, you know. I think you can kind of use the markets probably twenty five or thirty basis points. Yep. yep. The 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 planning. If you're going to charge a hundred basis points on the wealth side, the planning is where that extra seventy or seventy five basis points is coming from. Sure. And, you know, most really good wealth firms are much more planning first and investment instead of leading with that. It's more the invest. The investment component is like a subset of it kind of follows the planning. It doesn't need mm -hmm. the planning. And um, I just think it's interesting what you talked about, like with Orion, right, which being um, uh, and 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 talking about, you know, on there about personalization, like, yeah, can you personalize portfolios like managed accounts? Absolutely. But it really comes down, the personalization is around the planning. 
you know, investments are such, something that, that advisors have very little control over markets, yeah. little to no control over what markets are going to do. Certainly can have some control over portfolio construction and discipline with rebalancing. Um, but what advisors have a lot more control of on behalf of their clients is around planning strategies. And I think that ultimately, you know, um, to your to your point and what you guys are trying to build is like, I think you can get a little bit better personalization on the investment side, but there's a whole opportunity to get much more personalized on the planning side. Yeah. Um, and that's where the real value and where, quite frankly, you can derive a lot more value to justify your fees yeah. than just, hey, we have a better mousetrap to manage your portfolio yeah. better. Well, this is one of the things that always shocked me, Josh. Like, we're, you know, we're, and I've heard you talk about managed accounts a lot, right? And you know, maybe it's 25, 35 basis points, whatever that number is. But I don't, and maybe you know the answer. Like, why today can I not layer on a financial planning service within a retirement plan environment? And pay a higher fee, right? Like that fee is justified. I, now there's, you know, charging fees in a record keeper more challenging, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like fundamentally, I don't think there's any reason why a plan sponsor shouldn't allow an individual participant to opt in to a service that is just more valuable because it is investments. There's planning on top of it. And by the way, I can more, I can better personalize a portfolio if I'm doing the plan. Right. So, you know, ultimately, I think that when I talked about sort of how does this get paid for, I think that's another way that they can get paid for. I remember I listened to Kitsis on your podcast and he was talking about how advisors are now using advice pay. Plan advisors are using advice pay um, to offer subscription type services within the retirement plan environment. So that's probably one way to get there. You can, but I think that that what that is, you know, where that component is, is it's really offering services and having options opt-in, like, you're not going to get a plan to pay for it, per se, but being able to kind of opt-in, like, hey, I've met this advisor, they manage our 401k plan, you know, there's obviously some services on the investments with the assets that are in the plan, but how do we now engage in a planning relationship that is outside of the retirement plan, but that I basically was introduced into that relationship through the retirement plan, and then using, again, like you said, some subscription, I think in the small you know, that, that, that's the retrofit is, um, you know, historically percentage of assets right on the wealth side, because you've got high net worth investors who have enough in assets to be able to pay for it. Um, you, you know, if somebody has, you know, um, you know, $50,000 in assets, and you try to charge them an asset-based fee, charge them a hundred basis points, you're making 500 bucks a year, your economics are gonna be more conservative. So I think you're seeing evolving models. You're seeing what Michael's doing with XYPN, um, you know, right, with kind of serving, and, and it is that, you know, that, that Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, who they probably, they're younger and they have high, which is a lot of retirement plan participants, right? They have high, um, human capital, but low financial capital. Whereas when you have older people who've retired, they've got low human capital and high financial capital. In that case, an asset-based fee structure is going to work. But people that have low financial capital, but high human capital, an asset-based approach doesn't work. That's where you're starting to see evolving models like, hey, we're going to do some type of monthly subscription that kind of takes care of the planning 
from that perspective. And, and I think those compensation models, that's what's going to have to to evolve and change. And just if you look demographically within the culture, right, we're much used to paying for, you know, subscriptions um, much more. And I would even marketing wise couch it as like, look, you got people who pay, um, you know, my wife is a yoga instructor and, you know, there are people at the, the couple of gyms she teaches at, like they pay 200 bucks a month for a yoga uh, membership, right? Um, think about that. Think about couching it as like, hey, this is a, you know, you're going to spend 200 bucks a month on a, you know, uh, or 250 or 200 plus a smaller basis point on your ass, whatever that looks like. But, you know, you're going to get a, you're going to get, it's like a financial gym membership. If you will, and I just started, I just started paying fifty. I was paying two hundred bucks a month, but I dialed it back because I didn't have time. But fifty dollars a month for uh, virtual golf lessons. You were telling me your son's a, a good golfer, and uh, I'm like fifty bucks a month to be able to call this golf instructor before I play around or after I play around. I video myself. There's all the technical analysis on the screen. He gets right back to me. It's amazing. Um, so I agree with you. I think that those evolving models will. Should influence not just wealth, but also uh, the retirement side as well. Yeah, hundred um, percent. All right. So you know, one a lot of times I ask guests, kind of, uh, you know, what they're from a fiduciary perspective or from a plan perspective. Like, what's their what what's what's their number one piece of advice um, for you know those of us in kind of the fiduciary uh, uh, world? What would be as you're speaking and, and lots of advisors listen, listen to this podcast, like what would be your best piece of advice? Having been an advisor now, you know, a technology entrepreneur, like what would be your greatest piece of advice to them as they're thinking about, you know, convergence and, and, and ways of, of both kind of protecting their existing business, but creating business opportunities uh, yeah. through it. Yeah, I'm a little bit biased here, but, uh, and this is just kind of what my personality is, but, um, you know, I feel like at times we just, we overemphasize the implications of the rules, right? Like there are rules, they are very serious. Like we are fiduciaries, we can be, you know, sued personally and (laughs) that can be very bad. But I think sometimes just use creativity and think outside of, you know, what we think those boxes are. Um, I think the we have more flexibility than we uh, than we think we do, um, and don't ask for permission. I mean, at the end of the day, if we're waiting for if we're waiting for uh, and again, nothing against the record keepers, lots of great record keepers out there. But if if as a plan advisor, you're waiting for a record keeper to solve your problem, you're probably going to be waiting for a long time. So, um, you know, I think that plan advisors have the absolute power and relationship with their plan sponsors to frankly be a part of creating the solution that they need. Um, and they don't have to be the ones kind of sitting around and, and, and waiting. So that's not for everyone, but uh, certainly there are some plan advisors out there that I think probably are, are um, you know, frustrated and want to create a better experience. And, you know, it's, it, it just requires plan advisors to be a part of that, a part of that solution and not sit back and wait for permission. So, and all that can be accomplished, I think, you know, within the context of, you know, Department of Labor uh, laws and tax code, all that can can happen. And frankly, I think the plan advisors are the ones that know those rules, you know, other than the attorneys, the best, right? So 
you can inv- you can influence technology and uh, innovators and providers by saying, "Hey, I know you're building this, but keep this in mind." So I'd say don't ask for for, for permission. Figure out how to collaborate um, with technology vendors. I mean, even with you, Josh, I'm sure that's a big part of how you're building the platform. Like I have so much experience, you have so much experience, but all of the ideas and, and knowledge of all those other um, you know client advisors out there is what it will take to create like. You know, not a perfect solution. It's never going to be perfect, but a solution that works and is moving the industry forward. So so if I summarize, I think what you said, the way I would describe what you just articulated was be proactive and challenge conventional thinking yeah. that that there will be winners and losers. And um, you, you, part of that challenge, challenging conventional thinking is kind of the, 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 the heart and the soul of innovation. And then the last thing I would just say, and, and this is hard for financial advisors, but a lot of financial advisors, a lot of retirement plan advisors, um, they get paralysis by analysis. You know, I, I, one of the things that, that I think helped enable, you know, some of the success I had over the years was I wasn't afraid to fail. And I viewed everything as kind of like an experiment. I have a hypo- hypothesis. I'm going to run an experiment. And sometimes that experiment proved out my hypothesis. And sometimes it proved out the fact that like I failed because it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. But rather than being overly cautious and scared about failing, like failure that Tom, Thomas Watson, who was the CEO of IBM, if you think about IBM Watson, it was named for Thomas Watson. And he had a great quote. He said, um, I'll give you the secret to doubling your rate of success. He said, double your rate of failure. Mm-hmm. The more you fail, the more success you wind up, you wind up having. So, um, Ben, this has been an awesome discussion. Really appreciate it. Um, where can, uh, listeners go, um, to connect with you, uh, or learn more about Tiffin in general or Tiffin plan, what you're doing, how can people stay connected? Yeah, website is tiffinwealth.com, T-I-F-I-N wealth.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Uh, they can find me there. I'm happy to provide that to you so you can put it in uh, in any show notes or anything you distribute. Uh, but, yeah, I would love to, to to hear from anyone out there that's kind of thinking about these things and, um, you know, all about ideas. So I uh, appreciate you having me on, Josh. It's been a lot of fun and, and uh, been, been great getting to know you and um, appreciate all the advice you give me along the way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, been a great conversation. Excited about the things that you guys are working on, and and I think what the uh, what the future holds. And and um, given the role that I'm in now, I feel real kindredness to uh, to, to you as well. So thanks for uh, for being on the show and in the show notes, as you said, uh, I'll put links to um, uh, for people to connect with you on LinkedIn, but also to uh, learn more about you know uh, Tiffin at work and Tiffin Plan and all the cool things that you guys are working on. So thank you so much. Awesome, Josh. Thanks.